Hey, everybody, Dodgers Randy here. Um, giving this whole podcast thing a try. So I decided there's plenty of people out there who already podcast kind of on the team and on the games. Uh, so I obviously that's important. It's for Dodger fans. We want to know what's going on with our team and in the games and week by week. So I'll give you some of that. But I also want to try to do things a little bit differently um, than some podcasts do. So I kind of want to talk to you guys about like what I see as a fan going on, whether it's at away games, home games, uh, Twitter debates, whatever might be trending within our Dodger Twitter fam, the things people talk about. So obviously this is my first time giving this a try. So we'll see how this goes and you guys can let me know what you want to hear from there. Um, I just turned off the game. It is Wednesday night. The Dodgers unfortunately just dropped the game 11 to 9. Caleb Ferguson made his MLB debut, was rough, got pulled out in the second inning. Uh, and then the bullpen, he had given up three runs, but four, including the run that Hudson gave up, uh, but was Caleb's runner on base that came around to score. So that was a little rough. Um, the bullpen fell apart on us. Offense kept battling back. Kemp had five RBIs out of the nine runs in the game. He is bringing beast mode back almost better than I think some of us have seen him play for the Dodgers. He's, it's almost, it's funny because he's having a career year and he's, his career is almost over. If you really look at it, when you look at his age, at least on an NL team, I I think he's going to be a great DH for a team, but right now he's ours. So we're going to love him and we're going to take all of that in. Um, I don't know what to say about today's game. It sucked. That's that. We don't really need to talk about it anymore. Um, If you're on Twitter, on the radio, on TV, you saw it. Bullpen collapsed. Offense did great, but it is what it is. They're playing great baseball right now. Every once in a while, they have to lose. But today's bigger news was more so who were they going to send down to uh, bring up Caleb Ferguson And we ended up seeing them send down Baez, which I don't totally disagree with. Uh, He's had a rough going with this team over the last few years. However, recently he hasn't been doing that bad. I believe Alana Rizzo tweeted out that in his last six innings pitch, he'd given up one one earned run, two runs, but one earned. And he hasn't been all that bad. The guy takes a long time to throw, but... He's he gets the job done every once in a while. Um, personally, I would have liked to see Daniel Hudson get sent down. He really hasn't had much positivity towards him at all on this team, at least what he's done. Obviously not as a person. I can't comment on that. I'm just a fan. I'm sure he's great for the clubhouse, but hopefully, actually, I have no idea. But he just, he's struggled. He has... His ERA is over five. His left on base percentage is 60%, meaning a lot of the guys that are left on base or that are on base when he comes in, he's not necessarily holding them. Baez had an 80% left on base rate. Um, and so I was a little confused by that. My guess is that Baez just kind of, <clears throat> um, sorry guys, this is, this is my thing. Doing this alone is tough. You got to keep things going. Um, Baez, I think, is more of a mechanics thing. They just want to 
kind of fix things up and make him better. I sort of have a feeling once Baez comes back, we'll see Hudson gone. But right now we have so many pitchers on the DL uh, for our starters that I just think they're trying to keep as many people as possible. Especially when we have our young guys pitching, you don't know how long into a game they're going to last. Like we have Santana on the mound tomorrow for the 9.30 a.m. game. So we'll see how that goes. But um, he was a lot of fun to watch in Colorado. So moving on to that, I'm going to talk about Colorado. I made my way out there on Friday. Um, For those who followed me along on Twitter, you kind of saw everything I did. It was a pretty crazy trip for me. Um, By the time I had gotten to Colorado, went to the game, got back to my hotel, went to bed, I had been up for 42 hours straight (laughs) Um, because I refused to miss a home game this year. So I went from the home game Thursday to come home, get ready, off to LAX, and then back into uh, on my way to Colorado. So I had a great time in Colorado. Coors Field is amazing. It's beautiful. Um, I don't ever, it's very hard for me because I, I'm very biased. Obviously as a Dodger fan, I don't ever want to say there's a field that's nicer than Dodger Stadium, but it's also one of those things that when you go to Dodger Stadium so much, it's almost hard to continue appreciating it the way it is when you see a brand new stadium. And seeing Coors Field was that, I mean, that place is just beautiful from the mile high seats to just the entire ballpark in general. Um, I got to do a stadium tour, so I got to see a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you usually wouldn't see unless you purchased uh, tickets. But I got to go on the field. I got to go in the dugout and don't tell anybody, but I actually even took some of the dirt from Coors Field. (laughs) But uh It was, I mean, just the stadium all around put together is beautiful. They have their infinity club, which is almost their infinity kind of dugout club, which is almost like our Lexus dugout club, which I believe it actually might be more expensive than the dugout club at Dodger Stadium, surprisingly. But they had, we got to go up in the press box, which was really cool. They had a few different restaurants. Um, I couldn't necessarily keep up with those because they had so many They did have one that we got to go into, which was pretty cool. You had to uh, make a reservation. You just had to have, I believe, a ticket to the game, make a reservation. And if your reservation is before first pitch or first pitch, whatever, then you get to stay the rest of the game. However, if your reservation is after first pitch, you only have a certain allotted time that you are allowed to stay in the restaurant. The restaurant is, I believe, up on the third level in right field. So you can see the game from those seats. And I believe the windows open up. And I think even from there, you could see a beautiful view of the Rocky Mountains, which is actually where the sunset's behind. So when you're up there, you get to watch the sunset behind the Rocky Mountains, which is just from what I've been told, I didn't get to see it because I don't like to move from my seat once the game starts. But I was told it was absolutely beautiful. And I don't doubt that at all, because as I continue to walk through the stadium, um, we got to go up to the rooftop bar, which they have which is exactly what you'd think. It's in about right center. You walk up uh, to the highest level you can there pretty much, except for like the mile high seats. And they have a little bar. They've got the Coors Silver Bullet, because obviously Coors Beer is big at Coors Field. Um, That's what they're named after. It's out there, the Rocky Mountains. Um, 
And that was just even that you don't have to ticket. You don't have to have a ticket to go up there. So you can just walk up there, hang out, grab a beer, stand. You can watch the sunset from there, see the game from there. You've got the whole downtown in the background, which was an incredible sight to see. And that was probably one of my favorite things was uh, the views from Coors Field. It seemed like no matter where I went, I was able to uh, have a great view of downtown or even just the mountains, anything like that. And that was one of my favorite parts about Coors Field was just the all-around view. Um, some more things I saw during the tour was, which I'm sure some of you have seen at some of the away stadiums. So there's a Mickey Mouse uh, character and he's dressed as like not dressed, but painted as the colors with the team's logo. Well, apparently this was because when the Angels held the All-Star game a few years back, I think it was in like 2000 or something, something like that. When they had the All-Star game at their field, that was like their gift to all the MLB teams. So every MLB team had a Mickey Mouse. Uh, the Rockies obviously had the Rockies logo all over. It was purple, black, gray. And I think I've seen this in Arizona and I want to say San Diego too, but I'm not totally sure about San Diego, but I am sure about Arizona. Apparently every team was offered this. However, there isn't one at Dodger stadium unless it's hidden and there's plenty of stadiums that I don't think have them. So as a Dodger fan, I'm kind of happy. I don't want a Mickey mouse in our stadium because to me that does represent Anaheim. They're not the Los Angeles angels. They're Anaheim angels. And I don't want to see something that represents this team that is essentially trying to use the Los Angeles name and is our freeway series. I don't even want to say rival, but I guess you can call them that. I don't want that in my stadium. So I don't know where that mouse is. I don't know if the Dodgers took it and it's just hiding somewhere. I've seen the apple at Dodger Stadium from when they had the All-Star game in New York, uh, but that's not even in the stadium. I've seen that in the parking lot. I think I've seen a pig which is like a piggy bank. I have no idea if that's just a Dodgers thing, all-star game, whatever. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And I, it doesn't totally surprise me that some stadiums have that up. But I'm, I'm like I said, as a Dodger fan, I'm happy the Dodgers don't. Uh, I also learned a really cool fact. So I'm not a big fan of mascots in baseball. It seems like there's not too many people that are. Some people are, some people aren't to each their own, whatever. <clears throat> But the Rockies have a dinosaur, and that's never made sense to me why that the Rockies have a dinosaur. His name is Dinger, obviously, for home runs. Coors Field is known for a lot of home runs with the altitude there. Um, and so <clears throat> they told us a story, and it's actually really cool. When they were digging up Coors Field, they found a dinosaur bone that was a 66-million-year-old dinosaur rib bone that was underneath the grounds that they dug up and then they said a few miles north years and years and years ago they actually had found a triceratops uh skeleton and so that explains how they got their name which is actually well how the mascot got there how they came up with the mascot that is a dinosaur and i think it is a triceratops mascot too <clears throat> so i thought that was cool like it, it goes with a little bit of the history of the city um and all that cool stuff so i was i was actually kind of ha fascinated by that because you don't a lot of teams don't usually come up with things that are like that for their city it's more so just what follows their team but I guess that's what their team name you usually does follow something around the city and where they're coming from uh the team name kind of like the Dodgers obviously that means really nothing in Los Angeles but from Brooklyn 
it was a big deal. The Dodgers got their name because everybody was dodging trolleys out in Brooklyn. So obviously that's not totally relevant to Los Angeles, although with all the traffic there and the way that whole place is set up, I guess you do kind of have to dodge cars when you're trying to get from place to place in LA. So it works. Um, yeah, we got to walk through the rest of the stadium. I don't know if you guys have ever seen on TV, they have the purple seats that it's a, it's one line across the entire stadium. And so what this represents is it is a mile above sea level, which is, I think 5,200 feet. And the tour guide had told us there's no other baseball stadium that has even close to around 2000 feet, uh, above sea level. So as you could imagine, it gets a little tough to breathe out there and that's, it's, it's an exhausting field. So I went up and sat in the seats and everything was cool. Walking up, I felt great, all that good stuff. But after sitting in the purple seats for a few minutes, I could feel my chest start to tighten and I could also feel uh, my head was starting to hurt. And it was almost just like my body couldn't handle that high of altitude. I'd never been that high up before or anything like that. And so that was a little bit tough for me, but it was an experience I had to have. So I made sure to suck it up and get up there. And it was really cool. I'm glad I did. It may have hurt for a few minutes, but it's all good. It's, it's one of those things that you want to say you're able to do. Um, so yeah, we got to check that out. It was about an hour and a half. I think it was $12. That's something new. I'm trying, I'm trying to start doing this season. I did it in Arizona. I try to do a different, or I try to do a stadium tour now, if the time allows me to, to try and visit the stadiums, learn a little bit more about it. And then obviously also go to all the games when I'm out there. So I went to the two games. But um, one of the things I did get to do was finally meet up with one of my Twitter friends, which I'm sure you guys will hear a lot about on this podcast because I try my best to meet up with people from social media. Hopefully at one point I can find a way to get them on here, get you guys on here and kind of talk a little bit with you when I meet you. So I met my friend uh, Venus and her husband. D Los, Los, he had a couple different names, D, but, um, and they were awesome. It was, I had been talking to them on Twitter for a while. I, they would, uh, I had some old memorabilia that I was selling and she bought for her husband and they decorated their whole man cave. She sent me pictures of it. And this was actually the first time I got to meet her because she's a Dodger fan from New Mexico. So they drive out to Colorado once a year to see the games. And so it was really cool for me to finally be able to meet them after just talking to them. Uh, or talking to her on Twitter for probably a little bit before the World Series, so almost a year now, but um, probably closer to eight to nine months. And so that's something I love to do. So if you ever see me at a game, just come say hi. Um, I have a lot of people who go, I think it was you, I think it was you, but I'm not sure. And if you're not totally sure if it's me or not, just look up my social media. It's at Dodgers underscore Randy, R-A-N-D-I. If I'm at a game, it's going to be on there. You'll know. Most of the time I post my outfit on Twitter. That gives you even a little bit more help. Um, But even if I look busy, I'm on my phone or I don't look like I'm in a great mood, just come up, say hi. I get very focused at the games. And so sometimes I don't totally pay attention to what I'm like my facial expression is. I just kind of like sit there and watch the game. And so I love to meet new people, love to, um, especially in different states, because it's like, it's cool to have friends who you can see every time you go to that state. And then, of course, even just friends to go to Dodger games with here in L.A. So I met up with her and her husband. We did the tour together. That was a lot of fun. 
Um, another thing I did that was awesome was going to the National Ballpark Museum, which is recognized by the Smithsonian. It is... I'm totally blanking on his name, and I apologize about that. But it started out as a guy's personal collection, and with years and years it grew. So this isn't something that, like, a bunch of people contributed to. Like, this was his own personal collection, and he had bricks from Ebbets, like bricks from Ebbets Field, concrete chunks from Ebbets Field. He had a game-worn Don Drysdale uniform that was autographed on both the pants and the jersey, and it's your old-school Los Angeles one, which is really cool. Um, he had, like, back in the day, the uh, employees used to wear almost like those trolley kind of looking, no, not trolley hats, but I don't know. They used to wear, like, these little hats that would Anyways, it says Ebbets Field across it, Brooklyn Dodgers, and that's obviously a original from back at Ebbets Field, which was really cool. He also had a replica of Ebbets Field that was signed by Vin Scully, so I thought that was really cool as well. Um, he had the rotunda. It was a marble rotunda, which is kind of what you see. Not I don't know if you see him much at stadiums anymore, but it's almost like a silver, or not a silver, a uh, um metal kind of bar that separates you from the lines and so you uh that separates from the lines for people to buy tickets that way nobody can kind of cut into your line anything like that and he even has one of those which is really cool um no sorry that was that was my mom I don't know how to do this whole podcast thing yet and pause it um and so, yeah, that was really cool to see him have. He had a bunch of other really cool things. He had the pitching rubber from the Mile High Stadium. Uh, it was so Greg Maddox was the last pitcher to stand on that rubber, and it was the final pitch at Mile High Stadium of August 11th in 1994. So he had that, and he had a little plaque on it that was signed by Maddox. And so the whole museum was about the 14 classic ballparks that were built between 1909 and 1923. Sorry, I know I'm going a little bit backwards with this. My pictures are out of order on my phone right now. And that's my best way to recall all this information at the time being. And right in, and as of today, the only two fields that are left that are around is Wrigley and uh, Fenway Park. So it was pretty cool being able to see Fenway and Wrigley stuff there because, like I said, they're the only ones still around. He even has the home plate from the first pitch of the last game ever played at Yankee Stadium, which was September 21st, 2008. And so there's a picture of one of the uh, players, I forget who it was, I didn't get a picture of it, standing on the home plate, but it was not anyone current with the Yankees. It was like you're back in the day. It might have been Gehrig. Um mantle I don't know it was somebody but he was standing out and he has the home plate and it's like the very first thing when you walk in and so that's really cool and another thing he had was a lot of replica bats they told me almost everything in the museum was real except for very there was maybe five or six replica items and one of those items were some of the baseball bats so they were weighted, shaped, and sized to the exact uh, bat that the players used. And there was a Mickey Mantle one, which was extremely light. I think that was him. There were two Yankees he gave me. One was really heavy and one was light. I think Mantle's was uh, 
the light one. And then he gave me Jackie Robinson's, which was, that was a thick bat. Um, the handle on it was very thick. He told me Jackie had pretty big hands. And so it was a pretty big, heavy bat, but it was cool to be able to sit there, hold it. Um, and kind of not that he, not that Jackie ever held that bat to be able just to see the, his, like the type of bat he used, the size, and then kind of compare it to somebody like myself holding it. And it makes you feel small and I'm not the smallest person in the world, at least for a chick. So that was really cool to see. Um, he had some like pennants from the grand opening of Dodger stadium. It's, it's actually, so the pennant itself says guest grand opening Dodger stadium, home of the Dodgers and angels, April 9th, 1962, because the angels were in LA at one point. Um, so yeah, then he has a replica Wrigley scoreboard, which was really cool. That was another one of the replica things, but he actually has the real bench, one of the bench seats that was taken from Wrigley. So one of the old school green ones, um, he has on display there, which is really cool. Cause like I said, it actually came from Wrigley field and he also has an original on deck circle that came from Wrigley field. And that thing is, was huge compared to, uh, what they use now. I would say it was probably about six feet across. I mean, I know a circle radius, but it was probably about six feet from one side to the other, um, all the way around. So it was, it was pretty cool, pretty big, but it was cool to be able to stand on it. They let you stand on it. Um, and then one of the cool things is it's sectioned off between each stadium and to be able to get to each stadium to see the different things, you have to walk through a turnstile. Unfortunately, they didn't have one for Ebbets Field, but these turnstiles were actually taken from the stadiums. Like he has an actual turnstile that ha that says property of Yankee Stadium on it. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I didn't get to walk through that one. I don't know if I was allowed to, but I did walk through the Wrigley Field one. And so I thought that was pretty cool because um, that was the only way to get into the Cubs section was walking through that. So I thought that was pretty neat that he had all that cool stuff. But uh, yeah, that place is called the National Ballpark Museum. It's pretty much directly across the street from uh, from Coors Field. You can't really miss it. I mean, you can, but it, I think if you're standing at the home plate gate, you can actually see it from that corner of the street. It's maybe a two minute walk and it was about 10 bucks to get in. Um, it's pretty small. But you can also spend as much time as you'd like there. And there's a lot of history. So it's definitely something I suggest doing if you ever make it out to Denver and have the time. Uh, that was that was one of my highlights was being able to check that place out. And so after that, I didn't really have time to do much of anything. Um, I had to head to the field. Whenever I go to a new field, I try to get there as soon as the gates open. So I have the opportunity to check out everything. That is um, check out the entire stadium, walk through the entire stadium. So two hours prior to the game, they only open up certain gates and they're only gates that give you access to the pavilion. And it's mostly only left field pavilion. You can't get into right field, I believe, or can you? I don't, I don't remember if you get into right field that early, but, um, that's two hours prior to the game. They only let you into the pavilion and then an hour and a half, they open up the entire stadium to allow you to check out the, uh, walk around, do the whole thing. So I went and stood out in right field for a while because most people were out in left field trying to do BP and I didn't even bring my glove. I don't know why I didn't think about it. 
but I stood out in right field. I asked Wood for a ball and he threw me one and it happened to actually be a 60th anniversary ball, which was really cool that they brought those to Denver. So, um, I had Pedro Baez throw me a ball at one of the Arizona series I went to, and now I have Alex Wood at Coors field. And so I thought that was kind of cool. I can add that on, uh, is my list of things to try to do is every time I go to a stadium a year, try and get a ball from one of our guys. Um, and I'm trying to think, oh yeah. So one thing I've had a lot of people ask me about is my MLB passport book. And what that is, is exactly what it sounds like. It has every, it has all 30 stadiums in there. Um, and what, and what it is, is you open it up and there's a page. It gives you kind of the history about the stadium, how many people it can hold. Um, and it has a little scorecard on the back. So you can actually write the score of the game and all the information from the first game you went to, but they have a stamp area. And so when you get it stamped, it will say like Coors Field, June 1st, uh, 2018 Denver Colorado with the zip code and so now I have that stamped on my Rockies section which I really uh enjoy doing because it's a cool way to kind of look back and remember all the different stadiums you went to in the year and uh you're able to see the scores of the game later in time if you want to look it up and you can get that I believe at mlb.com on their shop or even the Dodger shop and I also believe that they might sell them at most of the stadiums um I always try to suggest to get one before because there's no guarantee that the stadium will have it but if you're at a game and it's something you see and you and you want to buy it then you might as well get it while you're there and get it stamped um another thing is you should always go to guest services and tell them it's your first time at the stadium because a lot of places will give you like a cool pin for your first time so like I have one that is a picture of Coors Field and it just says special occasion so it's nothing all that exciting but it is cool to have um, and be able to keep. And then you can also download the Ballpark app, which allows you to check in to every single game. And I actually really like the Ballpark app because I do check into every single game I go to. It gives me the record of the home team. So like it'll tell me how the Dodgers play when they're at home and what my record is when I'm there. It'll give me the updates on the game. I can put what seat I've sat in. It'll tell me how many times I've been to Dodger Stadium. It'll tell me all of the different teams I've seen play and all the different ballparks I've seen. And so I really like that one too because it's a digital way of doing things and it's a little bit more advanced, but the passport is the cooler thing. I would always suggest that to anyone. Um, But another thing that I really liked about Coors Field were the people. Now, as a Dodger fan, we go to a lot of places and people just don't like us. That's kind of being a Dodger fan it's like being a Yankee fan you either love them or you hate them and the people kind of treat you that way too and if you've ever gone to Arizona you've probably encountered not the nicest employees um even if you're not loud being obnoxious anything like that just ignore minding your own business they're just not the nicest people I've gone there and walked around totally minding my own business, just recording on my phone, doing whatever. And I've had employees yell at me like BLA, all this kind of stuff. And it's a hundred percent like in fun, but also at the end of the day, like to me, like you're an employee, you shouldn't be going out of your way to yell at another fan who's coming from another fan base. Like let your fans do that. Um, even the fans in Arizona are a little tough to be around sometimes in Coors Field. I 
do not, I could not find one person to complain about. They were all so nice, helped me with anything I needed. Anytime I greeted them, they like had a smile on their face, asked what they could do. Even the fans there were awesome. They didn't cause any problem at all. Um, didn't try to talk down on the Dodgers, didn't try to talk down on Dodger fans, just enjoyed the game. Even though they got swept, there were times they were up and they just had a good time with it. They didn't treat anybody I saw badly just for being a Dodger fan. And so I got to see Dennis Santana's uh, MLB debut and I had bought my ticket off a third party site. And so I went to guest services and like practically begged them to print me out a hard copy ticket and told them that it was because our player is making his MLB debut and I want to be able to commemorate it with a ticket. And the woman was like, I'll try to do anything I can. Let me just, can I see your phone? Let me take it back. If I can do it, no problem. And she was able to make it happen. I only had to pay $5. Um, Can't complain at all because you don't even really get hard copy tickets as a Dodger fan anymore, which is a bummer. I really wish they would go back to that. But it made me happy because now I have the ticket from Dennis Santana's MLB debut. And I'm hoping at some point I can get him to sign it. But, um, yeah, like I said, everyone there was great anytime I asked employees for help. And that, to me, is important because it's being an away fan going to a stadium, you don't really want to have to feel like things are hostile. And so it was cool to be able to just go and enjoy it as a, just as a fan, like as a Dodger fan, and not have to stress out about being yelled at by anyone, anything like that. But now we're going to talk about my favorite part, which is the food. Coors Field has some of the best ballpark food that I've seen. I've only been to seven stadiums, so I can't really speak too much about other ones. But out of the seven I've been to, I think Coors Field might have the best food. And the price is ridiculously cheap. My favorite thing is nachos. If you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, you'll see that like I'll get nachos almost any time I go to a different uh, field. I just like nachos and I like to try other teams' nachos. And so they have these monster nachos and it's essentially a build your own nachos like plate. They do it for you, but you get your choice of chicken or carnitas. I went with the chicken and then you get pinto or black beans. I went with pinto and then you get nacho cheese or queso, which cool enough when I had talked to a Rocky's employee uh, beforehand, they told me whatever you do, don't get the nacho cheese. Make sure you got the queso. So shout out to them. They helped make my nachos bomb because that queso was delicious. And then I got pico de gallo, jalapenos, and sour cream on top. This was $7.50. To give you an idea, it had almost, maybe a little bit less than the helmet nacho at Dodger Stadium. But the helmet nacho at Dodger Stadium, I think is like $18, $18 or $19. And this was $7.50. And they were so good. They, it was some of the best nachos I think I've ever had, even at a restaurant baseball anywhere. And so I was super pumped about that because if I'm going to have to spend a lot of money on food, I at least want it to taste good and I want it to fill me up. But $7.50, that's like what you pay at a restaurant. That's not bad at all. Um, Another thing that was my favorite was the cookie and creamery. And so what it is, is it's another type of build your own type thing they've got there is you get to decide from a cookie sandwich, cookie sundae, ice cream sundae, or you can buy just a cookie. And these start anywhere from $2.50 to $9 with a cookie sandwich being the most. And so you pick between your cookies, ice cream, and toppings. And for their cookies, they had chocolate chip, 
oatmeal raisin, white chocolate, macadamia nut, sugar, sugar cookies. And then for ice cream, they've got vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, cookies and cream, mint chocolate chip. And then for toppings, they've got hot fudge, caramel, rainbow sprinkles, chocolate sprinkles, and cookie crumbles. And so I wanted a cookie sandwich, but I think um, the guy serving me misheard me because he gave me a cookie sundae, which is totally fine because I couldn't even finish the cookie sundae and it was a dollar fifty cheaper anyways. So it came with some ice cream and then a cookie on the side. Well, I got cookies and cream ice cream with rainbow sprinkles and a chocolate chip cookie. Best part is the chocolate chip cookie was warm. So like as soon as my ice cream got on it, it started to melt, which I don't mind because ice cream on a warm cookie is bomb. The ice cream itself was delicious. It was like, I don't know. It just wasn't like baseball food to me. It was almost like something you could get at a restaurant. And that made me so happy because like I said, most of the time this food at baseball stadiums are overpriced. And when you're spending that much money, you want to be able to get your money's worth. And so if you like food, you like sugar and you're like me and you like to eat, I highly suggest the Monster Nachos at Coors Field and I highly suggest going to Cookie and Creamery uh, because it's bomb. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. They had frozen cheesecake. One day I tried to find it. I couldn't. So unfortunately, I didn't get to have that. Um, They also have, I don't eat fruit and don't give me a hard time for this. I just don't like it. But they also had a strawberry and banana, strawberry and strawberry chocolate covered strawberries and bananas on a stick and then I believe they had another one that was chocolate covered strawberries with brownies on a stick so they've got like all different stuff they've got fried dough which I mean it's literally what it says it it is fried dough on a stick I think they have like cinnamon uh buttery I don't know what else I don't even mess with that kind of stuff because it just sounds like it's gonna clog your arteries as soon as you eat it but that was essentially my first day at Coors Field and Dodgers ended up winning. So I had a great time. Um, My second day there, I is actually the real reason I went out there was because Pantone 294 was out there. A good chunk of you know who Pantone 294 is. Some of you don't. Um, Basic terms, they're a traveling group of Dodger fans who go all out the country, go to games together. There's usually anywhere from between 300 people to up to 2000. We all sit together at games. Um, and we usually pregame at a restaurant slash sports bar beforehand. And then we all, uh, make our way, walk over once we're done eating, when the game starts and we walk over as a big group. And so I try to go on my away trips when they're going, because it's just a lot more fun when you get to hang out with, uh, more people and get to kind of meet more Dodger fans, be in a section full of a few hundred people. I think there was about 300 of us in Colorado And so being able to be in a section with a bunch of Dodger fans was really, really cool. Um, I had a great time. We pre-gamed beforehand at this place. I think it was just called the Tavern Downtown. Had some bomb food there. There was probably about 100, 150 of us all there. We took up pretty much the entire place. And then we got ready to walk over to Coors Field. And as we did... We chanted, let's go Dodgers. We had our Dodger flags. We, of course, were getting boos and thumbs down from Rockies fans, but it was all in good fun. It wasn't like they were actually trying to be mean or anything like that. Um, We usually block the streets because there's so many of us and we just kind of all walk in one fluid motion. So (laughs) they're probably not the biggest fan of that, understandable, but nobody gave us a hard time. So we appreciate it. 
Um, once we got there, we all sat down. We sit in the same section, so that way we're even louder. Um, everyone had their little Pantone 294 rally towels. And it's pretty much just being at a Dodger game, but it being at a different stadium, if that makes sense. Because there's so many Dodger fans just in one group um, cheering, yelling, supporting the same team, getting excited for the same thing, uh, just supporting our boys in blue. And it's a great way to meet more Dodger fans. And so that's like one of my biggest things about it is I go to a lot of games alone. I go to probably 90% of the games alone every season. I may meet up with friends at the games, but I have season tickets to Dodger Stadium. <clears throat> Sorry. And I only have one ticket. So I go to almost every single game alone and I don't mind it. But going to Pantone games is a great way to meet other Dodger fans. It allows you to meet people from all over the country, essentially. Like I've, I've met people who live in different states who go on these trips. I've met people who live, I live in Orange County. They live in Orange County and I've made friends with them and we carpool and we do all this sorts of stuff. And so that's really the great thing about Pantone 294 is it brings fans together who might not have that chance to come together unless they, um, go on one of these trips. And so it's really cool. Um, they do, I think they're doing 14 trips this year, which I believe is the most they've done in a season. Uh, you can get all their info at Pantone294.com, P-A-N-T-O-N-E-294.com. No, I do not work for them. No, I do not get paid to say anything about them. I just support them. My friends help run the company, so I'm just a big supporter of what they do, and I think it's a lot of fun. So if you ever want to travel with a bunch of people, they're your people to check out. Um, so we had our let's go Dodgers chance going. There was even a time and point where it was funny. There was this group of guys. Um, they were obviously from a company cause they were all wearing matching shirts, but they were wearing Rockies hats. And we even managed to get them to hold up one of the Pantone 294 rally towels and take a picture. So that's just kind of like what it is. You have a good time. You don't cause problems with the other fans, but it's, it's such a fun environment that even fans of other teams kind of want to know what's going on. And, um, they don't, I mean, as long as we're cool to them, they're cool to us. And it's, I mean, it's the Rockies. It's not like it's the Giants. It's not like it's the Diamondbacks aren't a rival, but they want to be. So they're a little rough on us when we go there. But, um, I think the Rockies were probably one of the coolest fan bases I've been around. Um, oh, and I can't forget because I forgot one of the food things I had. And the reason why I forgot was because I had it Saturday night, but I had, funnel cake. And this wasn't your regular funnel cake. This was funnel cake with chunks of Oreo cookies and Ghirardelli chocolate melted all over it. Like, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, it was so bomb and it was so good, but it was so much sugar. Um, I had to share that one. I could not eat it on my own, but I also didn't have much of a choice. My friend Desiree, she's part of one of my friends that helps run Pantone, she bought it for me. So she didn't give me much of a choice, but I'm also never going to say no to food. So if you buy me something, I'll of course eat it. Uh, so, and I think that was like 11 bucks. I don't know. Everything there was like priced very, very, very well. And it's super affordable, makes things easy. Um, all that kind of stuff, but that's kind of, really it for Coors Field and the stadium and that trip. Um, we've only had today's game and yesterday's game, Tuesday's game, uh, 
They didn't play, wait, no, they did play, no, they had Monday off. Yeah, they had Monday off. So there's only been two games since I've come back, so there's not really much for me to talk about game-wise. Uh, they lost tonight, like I said, unfortunately, against the Pirates. They play tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Dennis Santana's getting his first MLB start, so it'll be exciting to see him. And then they go back home on Friday against the Braves. Uh, I will, of course, be there for all of those games. And then they have a quick two-game series against the Rangers. And then they have a weekend series following that against the Giants. So that is, what, six, eight games? So I'll be there for all of those. Like I said, if you see me, come say hi. Um, but yeah, other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I don't know anything about podcasting. It's just something I've been wanting to try. If you guys have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, which is at Dodgers underscore Randy, R-A-N-D-I. I also have a YouTube channel, which is attached to um, my website, which is randyradcliffe.com. Just click on the vlog section. It'll redirect you. Or you can just look me up on there, which is Randy Radcliffe. Um, and you could check that out. That's a little bit more visual of what happened at Coors Field. I kind of documented my whole trip there. But I would love to hear you guys' feedback. Like I said, I've never done this before. I'm going to have to find some new things to talk about. Uh, cause I definitely can't afford to be going on trips every week and it's a little tough to do this on my own, but I'm for sure going to start taking people from Twitter. And when I meet you, we're going to talk and we're going to start doing these things. So I hope you guys enjoyed and 